Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, Andy, hmm. I got a new feature. Oh. What kicking off this this right. week? Because, as you know, I love my crime TV. Yes. Um, so I'm calling it Crime Files. I thought that's not good. <laughs> well, it's that Brexit party, and it? it is what it is. Yeah. It's Crime Files. Yeah. Um, so I've taken my first episode. Right. And so I press the play button. Right. And, that, yeah. and this is mm-hmm. how it goes. The village of Polden is much like any other picture postcard Leicestershire village. A church, a post office, a village hall, and a well-kept village green. But on the 15th of October 2015, its peaceful tranquility was shattered. Three months earlier, two new residents had arrived in the village. Their names, James the Chin Vardy and Harry the Farmer (laughs) Maguire. The Maguire property soon became an eyesore. The front garden piled high with barrels of fertiliser and pesticides, as well as discarded seed planters, ploughs, troughs and tractor spares. Four doors down at the Vardy residence, things were even worse. He'd constructed a huge onyx fountain on his front lawn powered by a diesel generator. The fountain was the shape of an upside-down chin and was in operation 24 hours a day. Such was the volume of water dispersed by the chintain. (laughs) The pavement and the basement of his neighbour's home were often flooded. Back to the 15th of October, and a group of Polden residents were sat in the back of the local village pub, discussing the Vardy Maguire situation. Little did they know that the farmer and the chin were in the adjacent snug and could hear every word being spoken. The chairman of the meeting was Roger Pearson, the local GP. Only yesterday, Vardy was driving along the high street in his Porsche with his chin jutting out of the window, scraping it against parked vehicles and laughing like a schoolboy. Tom Dawson, the owner of Dawson's The Plumber, spoke next. My wife is at the end of a tether. The Maguire's back garden's piled high with horse and chicken shit and she can't even put the washing out on the line because it gets tainted. And none of us can get any sleep because of the drone of Vardy's generator. My whole family is on the pills. Neil Upton of Upton's pottery nonsense was next. Last week, in the middle of the night, I caught Maguire pumping gallon upon gallon of liquid pig shit into the main sewer. And the next day I saw Vardy encouraging songbirds to land on his chin by resting seeds along its length. As soon as they landed, Maguire smacked them on the head with a shovel. It has got to stop. Well, at that moment, Vardy and Maguire appear in the doorway. It would seem to me, says Vardy, and my bro Harry, 
that we're causing you some consternation in the village. So tell me, what are you going to do about it? Roger, the GP. We just want all this misbehaviour to stop. It's not appropriate in a small English village. <coughs> Harry, the farmer Maguire. All I is doing is farming. Farming's in my blood, innit? And if I can't farm, then I don't want nothing to do with life, because farming is my life. But do you have to store so much manure in your gardens? It's a residential area, for Christ's sake! <coughs> May I correct you there, Doc? It was a residential area, but now it's something much bigger and important than that. It's home to premiership footballers. You've been in a state of status for too long. You're all in your comfort zone, and we are here to stir the pudding. Must you run that hideous fountain all through the night? No one can sleep, for God's sake. Jamie, he did score 12 goals in a row once, and in my book that would be meaning he can do anything he bloody wants for the rest of his living days on this here earth. Well, at this point, Neil Upton from Upton's Pottery Nonsense stands up. I've had enough! I've had a fucking nut! <laughs> and he points a hunting rifle at Vardy. Hey, Mr Upton, with your nonsense pottery. Don't do anything rash. Let's talk. I abhor violence in all its forms. Not if it's farming related though, Jamie. Ain't that right though? Tell me that that is so. Yeah, fair enough. If it's for the food supply chain, then I'm cool with that. At this point, Upton fires his gun. It's a direct hit right on the tip of Vardy's granite chin. The bullet penetrates no more than a millimetre before ricocheting off the wall and then deep into the chest of Upton the nonsense potter. Upton was never charged with attempted murder, though, because he collapsed a week later on the floor of his nonsense pottery <laughs> studio and died. Whoa. That's the Crime File, crime. episode one. Wow. I hope you liked it. I did. Welcome to Crime Files. Jeff Pearson was an ordinary, hard-working guy living the good life in the Leicestershire village of Polesden. He'd recently take over ownership of the nonsense pottery shop on the high street, and business was solid. He was married to his childhood sweetheart, Christine, and they had two beautiful children, Ross and Rebecca. Life couldn't have been better. Then one day, in September 2018, a phone call from Ross's school set into motion a chain of events that would end in tragedy. Later that day, Jeff was seated opposite the headmaster of Ross's school, Mr Hunt. Sorry to have to call you in, Mr Pearson, but I'm afraid to say an accusation of bullying has been made against your son. Apparently he's been intimidating a lad from the year below, Neil Gray, son of the footballer Damari Gray. I don't believe it. Ross is such a gentle boy. He wouldn't hurt a fly. This, 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 this can't be right. Do you have any proof or is it just his word against my son's? I'm afraid there are several witnesses, Mr Pearson, including two members of staff. <laughs> oh my God! 
My God, no. How can this be? Why? 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 I've read him stories about bullying and we go to church for Christ's sake. This can't be happening to lovely us. <laughs> Look, Mr Pearson, I'm willing to keep this between ourselves so long as you agree to discipline your son and meet up with the father and work it out between you. Now, I would suggest a neutral venue. Do you have a sound effect for a garden centre or a cafe? <laughs> yes, a cafe. I'll meet him at the blue teapot on the high street. That's coffee. No, that was, was a moment, coming. wasn't it? Right. The blue cat, the blue parrot, or whatever, on the high street. Right. Sorry. The following day, around mid-morning, Jeff Pearson was seated alone in the quiet back room of the Blue Teapot, another private dining area. Wow! Isn't that extraordinary? That's episode title. His mind was running in over uh, was running in overdriven as he searched for the right words to say. He knew he must be careful not to blame Demaria's son, but at the same time was reluctant to fully admit his son's role in the bullying. If he was lucky, Demaria would speak first and he could just play it by ear. Then he felt a shadow on the doorway, and two men stood ominously over him, Demaria Gray and Jamie the Chin Vardy. <laughs> Vardy spoke first. So you must be the father of that little wanker, Ross. You do realise that the boy he's been bullying is not just an ordinary, he's the son of a premiership footballer. Your penance will need to be appropriate and visceral. Is that a threat? I suppose you're going to thrash me with that massive chin, are you? You calm down, both of you. Hello there, I'm Demoria Neilstead. Pleased to meet you. Can I get you another coffee or an ice pop? Or what about a toffee yum yum with hundreds and thousands on top? No, 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 that's okay. What's he doing here? I thought this was just between the two of us. Jamie insisted, and you know, he's a really cool guy. I'm not great at this sort of thing, but he's busting at it. Busting at it? That's how he said it. He went scouse. All right. Well, I'm not exactly happy about him being here. Surely this is a confidential meeting. And only the parents affected should be involved. (laughs) (laughs) Put your hands on the table, bro. Let's just get this resolved so we can move on and drink from life's beautiful and bountiful syrups. Well, Pearson puts his hand on the table, not sure of what is expected, or what might happen next. Well, oh, what's that? Well, what ha- Oh, God, that's not right. <laughs> so let's see if it's that one. No, that's a countryside. Well, but, uh, never mind. Um, it was a bone-crunching sound. Oh! Right? Well, what happened next would sicken even the most hydrated fan of crime fiction. Yeah. With one kestrel-like swoop, Vardy rammed his chin hard down onto Pearson's hand and pressed it down hard so that you could hear the bones in his hand crunching and a creaking. Ooh. Oh, my fucking Lord! What are you doing, man? In the name of every shit in the sewers, release me! That's the fucking hand I used to fashion my nonsense fucking pottery, you fucking ape! Careful, Jamie. Every community relies heavily on its nonsense pottery. 
for gifts and whimsy, you know, bits and pieces. Shush, bro, I'm just letting the bullies Peter have a sniff of what your child has been suffering. How'd you like it, nonsense Potter? It hurts, it hurts like fucking hell! Your chin is as heavy as a blacksmith's fucking anvil! And the point on the end is as sharp as a diamond-ended fucking javelin! Release me, you fucking man of Todd! Look, just live in the moment, bro. Savour the pain and be reassured that if your son so much as even breathes near my mate's son again, the pain will be threefold and ten. Do you feel me? Yes! I said, do you feel me? Yes, I fucking feel you! Now, the moment I release the chin, I want you to run out of the bistro, across the street to your nonsense pottery, and bring to Mario a beautiful nonsense vase for his wife by way of reparation. Okay, okay, you're fucking okay, yes! Well, Jamie releases his chin, and Pearson sprints out of the bistro and straight across the high street, straight into the path of an oncoming tractor. Shall see if I've got that sound effect. Okay, so. Yes, I had it. That's good. The tractor was being driven by Harry Maguire. Oh. He just got run out in front of me. I was just thinking about my early crap spuds. I didn't even have time to break. No charges were brought against Maguire, but one onlooker swore that he heard him whisper to Jamie Vardy, Did I do good, boss? Did it go like you said? You know what's coming next. Crime Files. Wow. Brought to you by Atletico Beats. The Herefordshire village of Cherford was a peaceful, tranquil community where families could live free of fear and in the certain knowledge that their families and their friends would be safe. Nothing much happened and that was exactly how its residents wanted it to be. That was until the 13th of December 2018 when everything changed. It was quiz night at the village pub and about six teams of locals were competing. One team was captained by Neil Hunt, the local nonsense potter. Next to them was a team calling themselves the Laughter Emporium, which included the Arsenal footballers Metip Ozil and Sandy Cazola. Neil Hunt noticed that Cazola appeared to be checking for answers on his mobile phone. Look, I don't know if you realise... But that is cheating. It's completely against the rules and it ruins the the whole point of having a quiz in the first place. Hey, says Sandy. Mr Nonsense Potter, chill out. What's the matter with you? You lost your party vibe? Here, have a tug on my vape. It's full of skunk and who the hell knows what else? Look, I'm perfectly chilled, as you put it. I just don't like cheats. Why don't you go and play on the fruit machine? That seems more like your sort of thing. Mette Ozel chips in. Leave it, Sandy. The man is an ass. Hole. What did you say? What did you fucking say? 
There's only one thing that looks like an arsehole in this place, and that's your fucking warped face. Ozil very slowly gets to his feet. What? Which one? Right. Thankfully, Neil's friend Brian steps in. Look, leave it, you two. Calm it. Let's just enjoy the quiz. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if their team wins, I'll kick up a storm, the like of which hasn't been seen in Cherford since Ollie Mers was caught pissing in the post box. Everything calmed down, and Santi even brought over a drink for Neil's table during a break in the quiz. Hey guys, have a drink on me. I love to party. I love to go crazy. Most of all, I love to laugh. Hey, if you need bunting, balloons, novelty pens, saucy outfits, I'm your man. I'm going to open a laughter emporium on the high street. The whole village is going to get high. Well, the quiz ended and Neil left on his own, complaining he felt unwell. Just as he was about to turn into his front drive, he was grabbed by two men. It was Ozil and Sandy Cazola. Yeah, no. Hey, Mr. Pottery Nonsense. You not feel so well now, eh? You don't look so good. What's it got to do with you? What do you even want? What do you fucking want? Can't a man walk home without being fucking accosted? God, I feel sick, so fucking sick. Maybe it was something in your drink, nonsense boy. Oh, I get it. I fucking get it. You fucking laced my drink, you pair of bastards. I swear on my fucking fat neck, I will get you back for this. Ozil donkey kicks him to the ground. You dirty fucking turd of a man. Oh, God, my mind is fucking warping. What have you done? What have you fucking done? And then Neil fell out of consciousness. <laughs> Neil woke up slumped on his work desk with a pen grasped in his hand. In front of him, a document bearing his signature. It was a deed of transfer selling his nonsense pottery company <laughs> to a company he had no knowledge of for a fee of £50. Its name? Santi's Laughter Emporium, <laughs> Cherford Limited. What have I fucking done? What have I fucking done? The wife is going to fucking kill me! <laughs> what a bike. <laughs> Crime Files. Oh, so, um, you know, it seems to me every village has got a potter yeah. with a similar attitude to yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Crime Files. Roger Meadows ran a small, upmarket car sales dealership in the sleepy Chester town of Warslow. It was a small but exclusive showroom that sold luxury marks such as Porsche, Ferrari and Maserati. Business was steady and he was a popular member of the local community. Life was good for Roger. 
until one day in September 2018 when a black Range Rover pulled into his forecourt. Roger was stood with Nigel Hunt, who owned the nonsense pottery across the road, when the Range Rover pulled up. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, up, hey, looks like they've got a few, Bob. Maybe not the usual tyre kickers for once. Nigel, must infuriate you dealing with people who have no intention of buying. All right, just part of the game, Nigel, it's just part of the game. At that point, two men got out of the Range Rover... It was professional footballer Paul Pogba and his agent Stanley Pingapong. Marco was the first to speak. Let me introduce myself. I'm Stanley Pingapong and I represent the interests of Mr. Paul Pogba. Paul. Hello! Paul requires the use of a red Ferrari for this evening. The publicity should be more than enough payment. I don't I don't loan out cars, sir. You need to try Avis or Enterprise, though I doubt you'll get a Ferrari. I don't think you understand. I'm taking the car whether you like it or not. We'll leave the Ranger over here as security. We are talking Paul Pogba here, not some tubby fart like Luke Shaw. Hello, says Paul. I don't care if it's Luke Skywalker, matey. You're not taking the car. Marco pulls a revolver out of his coat pocket. Is that so? Take me inside. Let's get the keys. Both of you move it. Is Marco and Stanley the same fella? No. All right, okay. Marco forced both Nigel and Roger into the showroom. Mr Pogba followed closely behind, seemingly oblivious to what was unfolding. But as with most crime, there was a flashpoint. A moment of never going back. It was started by Nigel, the nonsense potter. <laughs> I've had enough of this! I've had it up to fucking here with no good fucking toy gangsters! I bet it's not even a real fucking gun! Go and prove it! Prove it's real, you little fucking cabinet of shit! Well, Marco took up the challenge immediately and shot out the wing mirror of a £200,000 Ferrari. <laughs> Mr Pogba suddenly realised all was not as it should be. Paul pleaded with Marco. Mm, oh, Mr Marco, oh, don't be like that. You're going to cost me an arm and a leg with your trigger-happy shenanigans. Listen, I don't want a red car no more. I want that big blue vase in the nonsense pottery opposite. That's my nonsense pottery, matey. There's not a chance in fucking hell. It's locked up at the moment and the key is in my fucking bum bag. Now get out before I ring the police. Within a blink of an eye, Marco had grabbed Nigel around the throat and was holding the gun against his temple. Ah, oh, fuck! Fuck, get off me, you peddler of fucking Todd! You'll pay for this! My brother sells swords! <laughs> can you tell, Paul, can you tell me a bit about that blue pot in your window? With a gun against my fucking head? Are you in the keeping of a fucking evil goose? Let him speak, Marco. I'm desperate to learn more about this blue nonsense pot. 
Marco lowered his gun and released his grip from Nigel's neck. Okay, okay, fucking K! It's a clay body with coiling at the fucking base and a crackle glaze with enamel detail around the fucking lip. And yes, it's fucking blue! Is it a matte or gloss glaze, says Pogba. Matt, I'm not a fucking hotelier! How much for the pot, says Marco. To you, £50,000 and not a fuck less! Well, we'll take it and the Ferrari that we shot up. And remember, Mr Pogba was never here. With that, Marco and Pogba left the forecourt and Nigel and Roger were left to reflect on their harrowing experience. Honestly, Roger, how do you put up with these fucking Todd warriors? Oh, it's easy, Nigel. I take the hassle and I take the money. That's the name of the game. What are you going to do with that 50 grand? I'm going to get arse implants and an apron with tits on the front. <laughs> what do you think of that? Very nice. <laughs> 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 Struggled a bit with my voices there, Andrew. Oh, I didn't really notice. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Crime Files. The Lancashire village of Dunton was a peaceful enclave in the northwest of England, well known for its Dunton pottery and its famous resident Sean Dyche, manager of the Burnley football club team. One thing that could be guaranteed in Dunton was a life free from petty crime. That was until the night of the 12th of February 2019, when everything changed forever. <laughs> John Dyche was sat in his study enjoying a glass of wine with local nonsense potter Neil Hunt. Sean was busy recording the latest motivational wav to send to his squad. <laughs> I need me phone to play me tune. Oh, man. Um, oh, sorry, Andy, this doesn't help you, does all right. it? I'm leaving it all in this week. Well, you can do, you know, I suppose it's easier, isn't it? Yeah. Come on, beat maker. Oh, it just opened as I thought it wasn't opening. Here we go. The season is about to start, and our first opponent is Southampton. They are South Coast fannies with a stripy kit. They've got a foreign manager, whereas I am a Brit. They prefer a prawn sarny to an on-field barney. Tackle them hard, because they're scared of lard. And remember... 
<laughs> Barbed wire. <laughs> Fish heads. Shit. Concrete. Mud. And carbs. And that's the Burnley way. Smiling is for clowns, no laughter at our ground. Perform without joy, your reward a savaloy. Never entertain the crowd, if you start doing that, I'll find you a field that you can plough. Well, Andrew, at that point... <laughs> yeah. At that point... Stop, stop the it. Stop the wav. Stop the wav there. Uh, well, at that point, there's a loud bang and the sound of breaking glass at the front of the house. It sounded like an intruder. I'll put a breaking glass sound effect in there. Thank you. Okay. And a duh. And one of them is... Yeah. Okay. That's the fun. <laughs> Did you hear that, Sean? Probably a hanging basket falling or an open window smashing shut. Hanging baskets, are you having a laugh? I don't have flowers and shite in my garden, just tarmac, mud and vehicles. And I never leave a window open of an evening. It hinders me getting a pie sweat on. I'd better go and investigate. Well, be careful, Sean. There was an attempted break-in at my nonsense pottery last week. Good job I didn't catch them. I would have chopped off their dick and roasted it in my nonsense kiln. <laughs> have these people no concept of property ownership? The world is going to hell and back in a Todd cart. <laughs> Sean left the room to investigate the noise. Five minutes had passed when Neil heard footsteps coming along the hallway towards the study. The footsteps were loud. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> the footsteps were loud and heavy. It could not be Sean approaching, as he was wearing his Barney the Dinosaur slip dinosaur slippers when he left the room. A shadowy figure appeared at the study doorway and remained there silently staring towards Neil. Who are you? What do you fucking want? What have you done to Sean? Fucking say something, will you? But the stranger remained silent. Look, what do you want? What do you fucking want? <laughs> I'm just a nonsense potter. I haven't got any money. Listen, just fucking leave, leave. I won't call the police. And this whole satchel of long shits can just be forgotten. For Christ's sake, say something, you fucking horse. And then the stranger spoke. Take off your strides and undies and lie across the desk with your butt facing towards that CO2 alarm on the ceiling. He was South African and intent on assault. No way! No fucking way, Jose! Nobody, and I mean fucking nobody, actually gets to see my ass apart from me and my brother, who you should know owns a sword shop! <laughs> the stranger lifted his arm, revealing the unmistakable shape of a baseball bat. He raised it slowly above his head. All right, all fucking right! Jesus, how can this be happening to lovely me? I go to fucking church, for Christ's sake, and I collect Tesco club points, a percentage of which goes to some fucking charity or other. Neil removed his trousers and laid across Sean's writing desk. Right, take that... Oh, Indian? Right, 
Take that BT router off the desk and feed it into your anus. Are you off your fucking rocker? Look at the size of it. You could barely fit it inside a fucking bucket. Start with the Ethernet cable. That should loosen things up and give you a bit of confidence. Suddenly, Sean limped into the room, armed with a large ceramic vase gifted to him by Neil. He brought it down on the stranger's head and he fell to the floor like a sack of wet clay. Oh, thank you, Sean. Oh, thank fuck you are okay. The bloke is a fucking nightmare, a total toddlord. Sorry about your pot, Neil. That's okay, Sean. I can always throw another nonsense pot, but you can't throw your ass in a kiln. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I might do if it was Joey Barton's. And the two friends stood in the study, laughing so hard, it was as if every insect in the world was currently telling a superb joke. Oh, wow. Crime files. So much came together in one thing there. That's a lot Incredible. in it, in one. Yeah. Crime Club. Files? Sorry. Crime Files. <laughs> in association with Crime Club. <laughs> The small Yorkshire village of Harewood is an affluent enclave on the outskirts of Leeds. It's well known for Harewood House, an opulent 18th century mansion with notable collections of Turner paintings and Chippendale furniture. The residents enjoy use of a village pub, a post office, a community cafe and a village hall. A splendid place to live and home to many of Leeds' most successful people. But this tranquility was shattered like a sugar glass tumbler on the 22nd of February 2019. For local nonsense potter Neil Hunt, this was an important day as he was going on his first date for over for nine years. He had met the lady, Kate Robinson, in an online chat room dedicated to the craft of nonsense pottery. They'd spoken online most days for the past month and he had finally plucked up courage to invite her for a romantic meal at the Harewood Arms. Today was the day... Sorry. Thank you. No, it's fine. Today was... Today was the day, and Neil was sat in the snug of the Harewood Arms awaiting Kate's arrival. He'd chosen a sage V-neck pullover with a pink shirt and a pair of brown moleskin slacks. His hands were already sweating when Kate appeared at the door of the snug and gave him a cheerful wave. Ah, you must be uh, Kate. Um, we meet at last. Uh, do take a seat. Can I get you a drink? They sell them at the bar, you know. There's a menu on the table uh, for you to peruse. Isn't this nice? I mean, isn't this really nice? And uh, you look nice. Oh, can I say that these days? Or will I get into trouble with the PC sheriffs? Did you want a drink? Uh, they sell them at the bar. Did I say very sensible arrangement, don't you think? I, mean, I certainly do. Kate told him to calm down and asked for a gin and tonic. Neil was glad of the opportunity to leave the snug and gather his thoughts. Like Kate said, he needed to calm down. Why not? I didn't see that coming. I didn't think that was a point where you'd need that. Sorry. When Neil returned to the snug, he was disappointed to find that two young men had seated themselves at the other side of the fireplace. It was Leeds footballers Patrick Bamford and Jack Clark. Their presence was only going to make it more difficult for Neil to act naturally, but he had to give it a go. So, Katie, tell me a little bit more about yourself. As you know, I'm a local nonsense potter. 
I specialise in crackled glazes and freeform vase technique. I'm an active member of the local rowing club, though I, I don't actually row anymore because my prostrate is the size of a fucking lemon. Excuse my Portuguese. <laughs> At this moment, he was interrupted by Patrick Bamford. <laughs> Are you on a date nonsense, Potter? How hilarious. You hoping to get your grip? I could think of nothing worse than being groped by your rough, grubby, unkept hands. Ha 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 That's quite a jibe, isn't it, Jack? Yes, Marshal Patrick, you've jabbed him right up there, right nicely. Yes, I have. Yes, haven't I just? He must feel very hurt and embarrassed, but it's his own fault for swearing in front of a lady. Look, can you two just leave us in peace? I, I don't know who you are, what you want, but I'd rather you left us alone in here. You don't know who I am. I'll have you know I'm Messrs Patrick Bamford Esquire, and I'm right, large dar. Perhaps it's you and your beau that should exit. This man's an ass, don't you think so, Jack? Yes, Master Patrick, he's a right gradely stump. <laughs> oh, just get out, will you? The snug is for mature adults who want some intelligent conversation. It's no place for thick as... Pick shit, adolescence. How dare you take that tone with me, you ignoramus. I've a good mind to rough you up, you ignorant bumpkin. That's quite a barb I've just delivered, isn't it, Jack? Yes, Master Patrick. I doubt there's any comeback from that that would suffice to exact revenge. Listen, Kate, why don't you go and powder your chest whilst I deal with this? Kate did as she asked, and Neil was left alone in the snug with his two combatants. But who would prevail? Too soon. We'll double up then. Right. Are you going to leave or not? No, it's you who must leave, or we will thrash you like a chambermaid who spit the saffron into a ditch. Right, that's it. That's fucking it. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> Neil removed his V-neck and shirt and stood there naked from the waist up facing Bamford. Go on, make a move. Make a fucking move. I fucking dare you. At this point, Bamford took a step toward Neil and slapped him on the face with the palm of his hand. Take that, Potter, and there's plenty more on offer if you're foolish enough to continue. I bet that stung him. Don't you think so, Jack? Yes, Marshal Bamford, that was quite a blow. There's few could recover from that level of impact. But no sooner had Jack finished speaking than Neil landed a perfect left hook on Bamford's temple. Ha! Take that, you fucking satchel of quick shit! You fucking show pony! Now you and your little ton, buddy, better get out of here before I fucking wind up another pelter! Jack was knelt down by Bamford, cradling his head in his arms. What have you done? What have you done to Master Patrick? Speak to me, Master Patrick, I beg of you. Indicate that you are unhurt. Bamford opened his eyes and whispered the words. Get David. Fetch him quick. <gasps> Shit. Jack shouted out the name David at the top of his lungs. David, David, come and help us. David! Master Patrick is down! Master Patrick is down! Within seconds, a figure appeared at the doorway of the snug. It was ex-footballer David Batty, and he was armed with a shotgun. <laughs> You've been causing trouble again, young Mr Patrick. Get him cleaned up, Jack. I'll deal with this prick. <laughs> Who are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> and what business of yours is this little fracker? I'm David Batty, and I fuck... I I'm David Batty and I'm a fucking nightmare. I'm afraid you've picked a fight with the wrong bloke because I'm charged with looking after him. Why has he gone Somerset? 
Well, I don't know. What's Yorkshire? Yorkshire. Yorkshire. David Batty. I'm David Batty. I'm a fucking nightmare. I'm afraid you've picked fight with wrong bloke because I'm charged with looking after him by father. I take no pleasure in this. At that, Batty cracked the butt of the shotgun into Neil's jaw, sending him to the floor. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? Fuck! He started it. I was just here on my first fucking date in nine years and he ruined it. And now you've broken my fucking beautiful jaw. How can this fucking happen to me? I've got a Bible signed by Cliff Richard and Sue fucking Barker. David thrust his boot, booted foot into Neil's groin and started to press and mould his privates. I are you fucking animal. There's nine years worth of gunk in there. It's fucking agony. You dropped two condoms out of your pocket, mate. So what? So fucking what? I'm not going to get my grip now, am I? Just saying, though, two condoms. Leeds would definitely have brought more. I'll say this. <laughs> Kate never returned to the snow uh, and deleted her account from the nonsense pottery oh, chat room. Man. Neil began to suspect that he would never ever meet the lady of his dreams. Oh, that was sad and violent <laughs> and exciting. So that's that, man. A bit of that as well, yeah. Crime Files. The Northumberland hamlet of Grafton Bridge lay in the bottom of the Harthorpe Valley. With its 12th century church and characterful houses, it presents as a quintessential northern village. Peaceful, friendly and picturesque. But all that was to change on the 4th of March 2018. You could be more bang on with them, I couldn't you? I couldn't find the button, sorry. The High Street pub, the Cross Keys, was the social hub of the town where people met to gossip and socialise and enjoy its three-crown tourist board dining experience. <laughs> <laughs> on this particular evening, the Cross Keys darts team was playing a match against a team from the village of Curfield, a village full of the super-rich and local celebrities. Their team included the Premiership footballer John Joe Shelby and the renowned fisherman and actor Robson Green. The home team included local nonsense potter Neil Hunt <laughs> and Jed Baker, owner of Baker's failing shoe shop. I always hate it when we play Kelfield, you know, so full of themselves with a fancy jacket and expensive darts. I tell you what, Neil, I, you know, I hope we can beat them for once, like... Yes, the right bunch of strutting peacocks coming in here like they own the place, laughing and talking. Who do they think they are? The Harlem fucking globetrotters? <laughs> oh, watch out, here they come. Robson Green. Uh, Robson Green entered the room. All right, lads. Oh, you're diddling. Ready to get beat again? I'm only joking. Just pulling your legs like. How's your nonsense pottery going, mate? Absolutely fine, thank you. Now, shall we toss for who goes first, for nearest the bull? John Joe Shelby spoke. Yes, we must. And I insist that we use this gold doubloon that my great-great-grandfather used to button up his cape. I call heads. J.J. Shelby tossed the coin, caught it and placed it on his wrist. 
It had indeed landed on heads. I win and declare that the Kelfield arms shall throw first. Just a minute. Show me the other side of that coin. Nobody may gaze upon my jabloon. It's job done except your defeat. <laughs> Look, just show me the coin. Just show me the fucking coin. It's probably heads on both sides. I insist you show me the jabloon or we toss again using a good old honest UK coin. <laughs> So, you want to make an issue of this? You doubt my integrity, do you, Mr. Nonsense Potter? Yes, that's a yes on both counts. At this point, J.J. Shelby leapt onto the pool table and started started flapping his arms up and down. There's only one count in here, and you're looking at him. Fancy making a move, pottery nonsense. Robson Green intercepted. How are you, lads? Just, you know, calm down here. Get down from there, JJ, and let's toss again so we don't have no ill feeling, like. The toss was repeated, and this time the cross keys called it correctly. Nonsense Potter Neil Hunt took his sports bag to the gent's toilet to change into his match shirt. As he stood looking in the mirror, JJ Shelby appeared out of nowhere. So, nonsense. <laughs> That was it. Any time no. you like. So, nonsense, Potter. It's just you and little old me. Let me ask you, are you a virgin? How dare you ask such a personal question? How fucking dare you? What business is it of yours anyway? At this point, Shelby lunged at Neil, grabbed him by the neck and lifted him clean off the floor as if he was just a child. I ask you again, are you a virgin, little nonsense pottery man? What are you, what are you doing, you satchel of shit? Put me down, you... Put me fucking down! You won't get away with this! Jesus! I can hardly breathe! Are you insane? Are you literally fucking insane? Shelby tightened his grip. Answer the question, my precious little potter. All right, I'll fucking write, yes, I'm a virgin! But I've watched my brother do it. And you might as well know right now that he owns a sword shop and he won't be happy about this. Shelby released his grip and Neil fell into a heap on the floor. The sword holds no fear for me, matey boy. Be a different matter if he was a fence post wholesaler. Hold on. Just fucking hold on. Are you some sort of fucking night creeper? Some variety of vampire or something equally fucking daft? I'm actually a hybrid. My father was a misteron and my mother an adult wolf that had gifted blood to a vampire around the back of a haulage company in Budapest. Fucking typical! So fucking typical of me that I pick a body with a fucking hybrid blood snatcher. Honestly, why fucking me? I go to church most weeks and I display charity leaflets in my nonsense fucking pottery. <laughs> Oh, stop whimpering, you fart of a man, and prepare to deliver up to me your virgin potter's blood. Oh, shit, sorry. Neil knew he was about to meet a fate worse than death. Then his eyes caught sight of his dart shirt poking out of the top of his sports bag. It was a long shot, but it just might work. (laughs) As Shelby made his lunge towards him, Neil pulled the shirt out of his bag and thrust the large embroidered cross keys image towards the oncoming Shelby. Shelby was stopped in his tracks immediately. No, no, not that fucking shape! (laughs) 
It hurts my mind like a thousand bees stinging my thought chambers. Put it away. I can't fucking bear it. I beg of you. How fucking are? Fucking yes. Get out of here, you midnight fucking nuisance. I'm Neil fucking Hunt, and I'm fucking loving my life right now. And don't think the local darts committee won't hear about this fucking bullshit. Shelby ran out of the toilet and the pub and was not seen again that night. man. The Kelfied arms were forced to forfeit the match. Later that evening, Jed spoke to Neil. So what exactly happened in the toilets like? Your local so-called nonsense potter kicked a vampire's ass so hard his screams could be heard on the fucking moon. Hey, what do you call a vampire that can lift up cars? I don't know. Jacula. And the two friends laughed as if every single <laughs> drop of beer in the pub was in fact the punchline to an incredible joke. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that the end? Yeah, that's a bit longer. There, that's enough. Um, do you want a crime files? If that oh, God, you? do I? You do want one? Yeah. Um, so are you ready with the do? Um, um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, let's start with one. Crime files. Hang on. Uh, you said you're ready. I'm miss, ready now. Miss... Crime files. Now I'm ready. Fear is irrational. Fear <laughs> does not respond in a sober and measured way based on factual information. It's primal. It's animalistic. For the most part, we fear things that don't make sense. Monsters in the dark waiting for their turn. We fear the depravity of man and what can happen when it's unleashed. But there are fears that are real and are actually based on fact and observed behaviour. Welcome to Crime Files. (laughs) Wasn't ready. The Hertfordshire town of Cuffley has a population of around 4,000 people, the majority of whom are law-abiding, honest citizens. But in recent years, crime rates have soared due to the arrival of the phenomena known as the rural gang. And one gang in particular has caused havoc to this once peaceful enclave. Yeah, good. (laughs) Like Simon Jordan, (laughs) the big words. The White Hearts gang and its leader, Mr Harry Kane. All right, I'm you. Sunday the 2nd of March 2019 and local nonsense potter Neil Hunt (laughs) was sat in his nonsense pottery glazing a small water jug whilst his latest unsellable pottery whimsy pieces were firing in the kiln. Suddenly his double barn double barn style doors flew open and there stood three of the notorious white heart gang thugs. (laughs) Harry Kane, Eric Dyer and Song Hung Min. Harry was the first to speak. Is this the nonsense pottery? Yes, it is, but we're shut. Can they leave and come back tomorrow? But we need some nonsense pottery today. Debbie has bought an air rifle and we want some nonsense tip-tap to fire at. My pottery pieces are not for target practice. There's hours of work goes into each piece. How dare you suggest such a use for them? What an insult. Just please leave and don't bother coming back. How dare you talk to our boss like that, says Debbie. Have you had an argument with your boom pa? Is you hurting or something? Excuse me, but what in the fucking name of everything normal and civilised is a fucking boomer? 
It's Eric Dyer chips in. It's a street name. Fucking hell, Eric. For girlfriend. Well, well, I haven't got one of them, so no, I haven't had an argument with my fucking boom bar. Now go, will you, you morons? Excuse me, nonsense, Potter, but you are being very coarse and ill-mannered. In fact, you are bordering on cantankerous. It's very upsetting and unpleasant to boot. Debbie chipped in. You'd better watch yourself, Potter. If Harry gets into a fluffery buffery, there will be hell to pay with a cream horn on top and a cocktail sausage for added oomph. Look, I don't know what you two and your slow mate are. I don't know, sorry... Look, I don't know who you and your, t- your slow mate are, but I'm Neil fucking Hunt, and I don't put up with your fucking type. Now leave before I phone the police. At this juncture, the three white hearts move into the workshop and start towering above Neil, sat at his glazing table. Harry is the next to speak. Do you want to feel our ferocious heat, Potter? No, I want you to feel the breeze as you fuck off out of here and leave me in peace. For Christ's sake, I was at church this morning taking my time to fucking pray for morons like you. Harry. Right, that's it. What you have said is very upsetting and disagreeable. I am now f- fully buffery fluffed. Apologise, or you are in for it. You heard the man, says Debbie. Apologise, or you will be in very serious trouble. We might even tell your parents about your behaviour. Apologise! I fucking apologise! You can stick that idea up your ass with a fucking rolling pin! I'm not scared of you! And did I tell you my brother owns a sword shop? Yes, a fucking sword shop! Right? <laughs> Sorry. Right, Eric, go over to that sink and fill up a jug with lukewarm water. Eric. Yes. <laughs> fucking hell, Eric. Boss. <laughs> Harry, Debbie, take some of that kitchen towel and dampen it with cold water. Make it really soggy and be careful not to drip it on your trainers, though. What are you, what are you fucking, what are you, what are you fucking doing? That's my sink, my water and my four-ply paper toweling roll. How dare you? How fucking dare you? <laughs> Last chance, Potter. You won't like it when you get splashed with tepid water and feel soggy kitchen towel on your apron. I mean, who would? It's an awful thought. Hold on. You've got a fucking chin on you, haven't you? I tell you what, I apologise when you don't, you co... <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I tell you what, if I... Apo- I tell you what, I apologise. Why don't you come over to... The- uh, right. Okay, then, I tell you what, I do apologise. Why don't you come over to my kiln and have a look at my latest whimsies? You could select a few for your target practice. And you he would see, sense, the threat of warm water has made him realise his error. Neil took Harry over to the kiln door and opened it fully so that the heat from inside hit Harry in his face like a jet engine on a runway. <laughs> Harry's magic chin immediately ignited. Debbie, help me! My magic chin is on fire! Douse it quickly or our season will be in tatters! 
Eric and Debbie used the jug of water and the soggy tissue to extinguish <clears throat> the magic chin flames. Ha! Fucking ha! You trio of fucking Todd warriors! Go on, get out! I'm Neil fucking Hunt! <laughs> Nonsense Potter and Lord of the fucking kill! Come back here again and I'll, de- and I'll destroy that fucking chin for good! The white hearts left, Debbie in tears. Boss, do you think your chin has lost much power, Harry? I doubt it, Debbie, because you and Eric were very quick to respond. When I get home, I'm going to fashion bravery medals for you both out of tinfoil and ribbon. (laughs) Debbie replied. I say, boss, you really felt the ferocious heat there, didn't you? (laughs) And all three of them laugh as if every individual pore on Harry's face was blowing a raspberry. (laughs) That's crime files. (laughs) When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.